I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. There can't be a dark winter in the warm light of truth. It's high noon for Friday, November 26th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 310th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You have once again been asked to trust the science and trust the science you will. You will show everybody how very much you trust the science by saying absolutely everything they tell you to say, even though you know deep down not a single bit of it makes sense. And what am I referring to? Of course, I'm referring to the very new, very scary variant. And if you're thinking, hey, give me a break. There's no way I'm buying that story. Well, then I'd be very pleasantly surprised and would extend my sincere congratulations for thinking for yourself, for thinking independently and for recognizing this for exactly what it is. If you're at that point, all you need to do is just let go of everything else. Come on back down to the range, migrate back to America, just leave those stupid and evil communist ideas behind, make amends with all the people you've shamed and bullied and slandered and censored and gotten fired from their jobs. Make it up to them and come on back and we will accept you and welcome you with open arms because we want more Americans involved in the project of human liberty and self-governance. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Friday, high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, cummies! Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to see you. Maybe this is just a Thanksgiving holiday miracle, but I'll take it. So let's get into the very big news about the very scary variant, because we may only have a few days to talk about it. I think that we are going to find out that no one gives a shit, but let's have a look at all of it anyway. The report came out last night in the journal Nature. This is the headline, Heavily Mutated Coronavirus Variant Puts Scientists on Alert. This is by Ewan Calloway. Researchers in South Africa are racing to track the concerning rise of a new variant of the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. The variant harbors a large number of mutations found in other variants, including Delta, and it seems to be spreading quickly across South Africa. Now, it's very important in these articles to pay attention to the actual language they're using. What is heavily mutated? What does that mean? Does that mean that it is way more dangerous? No. Means that it is much different in a series of ways, right? And we are just supposed to imagine that that is scary or more dangerous, even though there's no indication of that so far. They also say it seems to be spreading quickly across South Africa. But let's be honest, they're not testing for it. Not in any way that can actually differentiate. They may be analyzing samples back at the lab, but this stuff is theoretical and they are assuming that certain people have the certain variant, just like they did with Delta. And we covered this extensively months ago. 
A top priority is to follow the variant more closely as it spreads. It was first identified in Botswana this month and has turned up in travelers to Hong Kong from South Africa. Scientists are also trying to understand the variant's properties, such as whether it can evade immune responses triggered by vaccines and whether it causes more or less severe disease than other variants do. Now, that's certainly interesting. It might evade the immune response of the vaccines, but also so does everything else because the immune response of the vaccines disappears rapidly and does not prevent anyone from becoming infected, from transmitting this virus, from becoming seriously ill or from dying. But let's go on. We're flying at warp speed, says Penny Moore, a virologist at the University of Witwatersrand in Johannesburg, whose lab is gauging the variant's potential to dodge immunity from vaccines and previous infections. There are anecdotal reports of reinfections and cases in vaccinated individuals, but, quote, at this stage, it's too early to tell anything, Moore adds. There's a lot we don't understand about this variant. Richard Lessels, an infectious disease physician at the University of KwaZulu-Natal in Durban, South Africa, said at a press briefing organized by South Africa's health department on 25 November. The mutation profile gives us concern, but now we need to do the work to understand the significance of this variant and what it means for the response to the pandemic. A World Health Organization expert group will meet on 26 November, that's today, and will likely label the strain, currently known as B11529, as a variant of concern or variant of interest. Tulio de Oliveira, a bioinformatician at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, said at the briefing, the variant would likely be named new NU. The next letter available in the Greek alphabet naming system for coronavirus variants, if it is flagged by the WHO group. Researchers also want to measure the variant's potential to spread globally, possibly sparking new waves of infection or exacerbating ongoing rises being driven by Delta. Researchers spotted B11529 in genome sequencing data from Botswana. The variant stood out because it contains more than 30 changes to the spike protein, the SARS-CoV-2 protein that recognizes host cells and is the main target of the body's immune responses. Many of the changes have been found in variants such as Delta and Alpha and are linked to heightened infectivity and the ability to evade infection-blocking antibodies. But the variant's apparent sharp rise in South Africa's Gwatang province, home to Johannesburg, is also setting off alarm bells. Cases increased rapidly in the province in November, particularly in schools and among young people, according to Lessels. Genome sequencing and other genetic analysis from de Oliveira's team found that B11529 variant was responsible for all of 77 of the virus samples they analyzed from Guatang, collected between 12 and 20 November. Analysis of hundreds more samples are in the works. Got that? So we have 77 samples. All of them, by the sequencing, seem to be this same variant. The variant harbors a spike mutation that allows it to be detected by genotyping tests that deliver results much more rapidly than genome sequencing, Lessel said. Oh, that's so good. They have a new process. Preliminary evidence from these tests suggests that B11529 is spreading much wider than Guatang. It gives us concern that this variant may already be circulating quite widely in the country, Lessel said. And isn't that kind of worth noting? I mean, if there was a very scary variant doing very deadly work against the citizens of South Africa, and it had been spreading widely for quite a while now, where are all the people dying? And obviously, I'm not saying I want people to die. I'm just pointing out the fact that it isn't happening. And now we get to the serious stuff. 
To understand the threat B11529 poses, researchers will be closely tracking its spread in South Africa and beyond. Researchers in South Africa mobilized efforts to quickly study the beta variant identified there in late 2020, and a similar effort is starting to study B11529, which, by the way, I think that they've actually settled on calling it Omicron. I guess new was already taken. Moore's team, which provided some of the first data on Beta's ability to dodge immunity, has begun work on B11529. They plan to test the virus's ability to evade infection-blocking antibodies, as well as other immune responses. The variant harbors a high number of mutations in regions of the spike protein that antibodies recognize, potentially dampening their potency. Many mutations we know are problematic, but many more look like they are likely contributing to further evasion, says Moore. There are even hints from computer modeling that B11529 could dodge immunity conferred by another component of the immune system called T-cells, says Moore. Her team hopes to have its first results in two weeks. But in the meantime, everybody should freak out about the very scary variant, even though they don't know if it's very scary, even though they don't really know anything about it. They just found a new thing. And now they need to shut down travel in certain parts of the world so that we can all understand the very scary variant is in fact very scary. No matter what happens, no matter what it does, we are supposed to be very scared of this very scary variant. A burning question is, does it reduce vaccine effectiveness because it has so many changes, says Aris Katsourakis, who studies virus evolution at the University of Oxford, UK. Moore says breakthrough infections have been reported in South Africa among people who received any of the three kinds of vaccines in use there from Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer-BioNTech or Oxford-AstraZeneca. Two quarantine travelers in Hong Kong who have tested positive for the variant were vaccinated with the Pfizer jab, according to news reports. One individual had traveled from South Africa while the other was infected during hotel quarantine. Researchers in South Africa will also study whether B11529 causes disease that is more severe or milder than other variants produce, Lessel said. The really key question comes around disease severity. Oh, does it? It's not about how heavily mutated it is. It's not about the number of mutations. It's not about its very scary name. It's not about what the European countries are doing to respond. So far, the threat B11529 poses beyond South Africa is far from clear, researchers say. It is unclear whether the variant is more transmissible than Delta, says Moore, because there are currently low numbers of COVID-19 cases in South Africa. We're in a lull, she says. Katsourakis says that countries where Delta is highly prevalent should be watching for signs of B11529. We need to see what this virus does in terms of competitive success and whether it will increase in prevalence. And man, isn't it crazy that this comes out on Thanksgiving night and then goes worldwide on the mainstream media on Black Friday morning? Probably a lot of child-brained communists had to have a lot of very uncomfortable conversations yesterday. And this is kind of the response to that. So that they can all say, look at this very scary variant. This is their I told you so. And obviously we know what this is being used for. They are trying to push boosters. They are trying to push initial shots for children. There's no justification for those things. This gives them justification for that. And they get to use this to explain how bad the markets have crashed because of inflation, as noted in the minutes from a Fed meeting on Wednesday night. They're not saying that's what it's for, though, are they? The market crashed because of the news of the very scary variant. They're thinking there might be lockdowns. They're going to want masks again. And if they get those things, well, then this is the perfect cover for their inept handling of the economy. They get to crash the economy harder so that the people will eventually just beg for the Great Reset, beg for global communism, because it feels like the only way out. And they're basically just trying to get a do-over with the whole pandemic. They would love nothing more than to start a brand new pandemic scenario right now. 
And none of this should be surprising. Joe Biden promised last year and then this year that we are headed for a dark winter. We see lockdowns in places in Europe. We see quarantine camps going up in Australia. Where do you think all of this is headed? Let's see what world-renowned expert and funder of brutal experiments on dogs, Anthony Fauci, has to say about the new very scary variant. What can you tell us about this? Well, certainly there is a new variant uh, that is now in South Africa in the, in the Gauteng province that has some mutations that are raising some concern, particularly with regard to possibly transmissibility increase and possibly evasion of immune response. We don't know that for sure right now. This is really something that's in, in motion, and, and, and we just uh, arranged right now a discussion between our scientists and the South African scientists a little bit later in the morning to really get the facts, because you're hearing a lot of things back and forth. We want to find out, scientists to scientists, exactly what is going on. But it's something that has emerged in South Africa and seems to be spreading in a, at a reasonably rapid rate in the sense of when they do test positivity, they're seeing that it's a bit more widespread in South Africa than was originally felt a couple of days ago. So it's in a fluid motion. We're finding more about it. And literally, it's something that in real time we're learning more and more about. Is it possible it's already in the U.S.? You know, of course, anything is possible. We don't know that there's no indication that it is right now. It seemed to have been restricted. There were some cases that originated in South Africa and that went to Botswana and people who traveled and found out they were infected and one that had gone actually to Hong Kong. So there's a lot of travel. You never know exactly where it are. And that's the reason why we're getting together to them to try and get the precise molecular makeup of it so you could actually test for it. And that's something that'll take a little bit to put the appropriate materials together to do that. But we are in very active communication with our South African colleague scientists. So explain to us the questions and the concerns about how this might evade immunity, because there are so many mutations here on the spike protein, which is what uh, a vaccine, the vaccines that we have are designed to hit. The question is now going to be right, is that spike protein still permeable when it comes to the vaccine? Yeah, that's what we're going to be finding out, because when you look at a mutation, it can give you a hint or a prediction that it might evade the immune response. What you need to do is you need to get that particular sequence of the virus, put it in a form in the lab where you can actually test the different antibodies. So you can have a prediction that it might evade or you can actually prove it. Right now, we're getting the material together with our South African colleagues to get a situation where you could actually directly test it. So right now you're talking about sort of like a red flag that this might be an issue, but we don't know. Once you test it, you'll know for sure whether or not it does or does not evade the antibodies that we make, for example, against the virus through a vaccine or following convalescent after you get infected. When you get antibodies, do those antibodies protect you against this new virus? The answer is we don't know right now, but we're going to find out for sure. So once again, Anthony Fauci doesn't know the answer to any questions. It's possible that it's the scariest possible thing, but we don't know yet, but it's possible. We're going to find out whether or not the scariest possible thing is actually what's happening. But until then, we're just going to let you know that the scariest possible thing is possible, but we don't know if it's happening, but it might happen, but we don't know. So right now, the proper response is to be as very scared of the very scary variant as you can. And do the vaccines work on the very scary variant? Well, no, of course they don't. But the good thing is they also don't work on any of the other variants either. And we already know that. So wondering whether or not this variant can escape the vaccine that is almost definitely the cause of the variant seems to be a strange exercise in 
futility and evasion. And one would think that enough of the public already understands this, that we don't actually have to go through this whole process over again, the whole Delta thing. And by the way, let's remember that in August, they tried to sell us on a Lambda variant as well. And that all kind of vanished so quickly that we basically just forgot about it. But this is the New York Post on August 12th. Hannah Sparks, deadly Lambda variant could be neutralizing vaccines. New study says as the U.S. struggles to suppress the rapidly advancing coronavirus Delta variant, new evidence has emerged that the latest Lambda mutation ravaging parts of South America won't be slowed by vaccines. In a July 28th report appearing on BioRxiv where the study awaits peer review prior to getting published, researchers in Japan are sounding the alarm on the C37 variant, dubbed Lambda, and it's proven just as virulent as Delta, thanks to a similar mutation, making them even more contagious. The strain has been contained in 26 countries, including substantial outbreaks in Chile, Peru, Argentina, and Ecuador. Notably, the vaccination rate in Chile is very high. The percentage of people who received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine was about 60%, the authors write. Nevertheless, a big COVID-19 surge has occurred in Chile in spring 2021, suggesting that the Lambda variant is proficient in escaping from the antiviral immunity elicited by vaccination, they warn. The Lambda variant is thought to have emerged somewhere in South America between November and December 2020 and has since turned up in countries throughout Europe, North America, and a few more isolated cases in Asia, according to GISAID data. So we have gone through this stuff before. We have been told similar stories before, and they have continuously amounted to nothing. Of course, now this is the scary one that we've all been waiting for. This is a letter from the coordinator of the Presidential COVID-19 Task Force in Botswana. The Presidential COVID-19 Task Force informs the public that four cases of a new COVID-19 variant now known as B11529 were reported and recorded on Monday, 22nd, November 2021. The four cases were detected among travelers who tested SARS-CoV-2 positive on routine pre-travel testing. The variant tests were carried out as part of the routine genomic surveillance of SARS-CoV-2 as prescribed in our COVID-19 response plan. The preliminary report revealed that all four had been fully vaccinated for COVID-19. As part of the continuing investigations into the virus to establish and contain its local transmissions, contact tracing has revealed close contacts who are currently awaiting their results and the public will be informed regarding the outcome of the exercise. The initial investigations on the virus have established that the new variant has a high number of mutations as compared to the locally predominant Delta variant. What this means is still unclear and under investigation. New variants have the potential to affect severity of disease, how effective tests pick up the disease, as well as potentially vaccine efficacy. At this moment, real-world impact of the variant has not been established. Non-pharmaceutical interventions, wearing of masks, social distancing, and avoiding unnecessary travels remain effective, and therefore the public is advised to continue observing these. Except, of course, masks don't actually help at all. They don't remain effective. They were never effective. And it is silly and stupid advice to continue telling people to wear them. The presidential COVID-19 task force wishes to further dispel assertions made by some circulating social media reports associating these cases with HIV positive status of the participants. Contrary to these reports, in which one newspaper claims that one case was from an HIV positive participant, is totally false as no HIV status of the clients was associated with these results. These media reports are unfortunate and factually flawed and should be viewed as such. The variant is still being studied and investigated and therefore it would be premature to conclusively make these types of assertions at this time. The public is urged to take necessary precautions to protect themselves from COVID-19 as advised from time to time. <laughs> from time to time. Man, these people are incredible. It's like they don't understand the language they use themselves. Making advisements from time to time kind of reveals the anti-scientific nature of the entire project. 
Oh, we found more cases. Now you have to mask up extra. So we have four cases all found through routine testing. These are not tests of symptomatic individuals. They are just tests that have found the thing that they were looking for. And all of these people were fully vaccinated. So from the information we have so far, this does not seem like it's going to become a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It actually sounds more like a pandemic caused by the vaccine, which is not a vaccine. But hey, inject it in your kids. Do that or else you're not a good citizen. Do that or you can't participate in society. And guess what? Next year, we got about two or three months and then we can start injecting it in infants and toddlers because the very scary variant might be very scarier for them than anyone else. And let's check in with the UK's health expert, Sajid Javid. Earlier today, the South African government held a press conference and uh, they talked about a new variant that they have uh, found called B11529. I've been updated on this variant by the UK Health Security Agency, and they have now designated it as a variant under investigation. Uh, the early indications we have of this variant is that it may be more transmissible than the Delta variant, and it, uh, the vaccines uh, that we currently have may be less effective against it. Now, to be clear, we have not detected any of this new variant in the UK at this point in time. From midday tomorrow, we will be suspending all flights from six Southern African countries, and we were adding those countries to the travel red list. Those countries are South Africa, Namibia, Lesotho, Eswatini, and Zimbabwe, and Botswana. Our scientists uh, are, are deeply concerned uh, about this variant. I'm concerned, uh, of course, and that's one of the reasons we've taken this action today. I will say we don't know enough about this variant. No one does. I think probably the UK knows more than most uh, because of the excellent work we do on surveillance. But I think it is right that we take this approach and we remain cautious. And this was written up in the Daily Mail. Scientists sound alarm over new worst ever super mutant COVID variant that could make vaccines 40% less effective. As the UK and Israel ban travel from South Africa and five other countries, but passengers will continue to stream into the US. But that headline has already become outdated as there have just been travel restrictions announced for the US, which when Donald Trump did them at the beginning of all of this nonsense, that was called racist. But that was from China. This is just from Africa. You can't be racist for banning travel from Africa. That's just good science. Banning travel from China, though, that is racist. And this Daily Mail article features a breakdown of tweets from a prominent COVID fearmonger named Dr. Eric Fagel-Ding. Breaking hotel cross transmission of B11529 traveler from South Africa flew to Hong Kong and he's got like cute flag emojis and like a, uh, a, a warning sign emoji for his breaking news. <laughs> these people, man, these people are like, it's unbelievable. Are you a doctor or a, are you a social media influencer trying to impress the child brains? This is preposterous just loaded up with emojis traveler from south africa flew to hong kong with new variant but wasn't discovered until fourth day of quarantine on second pcr another guest across hallway cross infected only positive on eighth day on fourth pcr both pfizer vaccinated Ooh. and then he uses a spool emoji to show you that this is going to be a thread the viral load of these two with B11529 in Hong Kong hotels were very high. PCR CT values of 18 and 19. That's insanely high considering they were negative on recent PCR tests. Damn, looks like vaccine evasion could be real with this variant. And hell yes, it's very airborne. Very airborne. The hotel guests were in different rooms 
across the hallway from each other. Environmental samples found the virus in 25 of 87 swabs across both rooms. So they were apparently testing the desk. I think border and travel restrictions make sense, especially since Hong Kong flag emoji only caught the case because of a mandatory hotel quarantine. Which countries in the West still have that? Almost none. Oh, no. I guess we need more hotel quarantines. Is that what he's saying? Do we need quarantine camps? Dr. Eric Ding? Maybe as a precaution, we should try to make it so that no one can go out and shop if they're not vaccinated. Even though the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting COVID, transmitting COVID, getting seriously ill, or dying. And it certainly can't with this one because vaccine evasion might be very real with this very scary variant. But better safe than sorry, right? I mean, once we accept that as the logic for everything and that somehow all of us are individually responsible for the health of everyone else, you can basically come to any conclusions that you want. Now, this is from the dossier, which is Jordan Schachtel's substack. Jordan Schachtel is on this stuff all the time and has been from the beginning of the whole COVID period. New variant hysteria comes from same institution that popularized lockdowns and previous COVID scares. Imperial College yet again panics the masses. What a small world we live in. The new variant scare you keep hearing about is coming from the same people and institutions that spawned the last COVID scare and the one before that and the one before that, dating all the way back to the onset of COVID mania. The corporate press and world governments have produced an incredible amount of noise about a claimed new COVID variant, the new variant, which has been detected in South Africa and Botswana. And he shares a tweet from The Telegraph UK. That says, of all variants so far, B11529 is causing the most alarm, and with good reason. The new variant has an eye-watering number of mutations, many of which could help it dodge immunity or make it more infectious. Just as with previous ruling class fomented bouts of Hysteria 19, there is no statistical cause for alarm over this new strain, which is one of over 100,000 mutations of the coronavirus. The new strain has hardly produced any lab-confirmed cases, but a panicked narrative has already been seeded in the public. The UK in particular has driven the fear to new levels. The country has already added several African nations to its travel ban list, citing the new strain. Similar to every other government-prescribed policy to fight a war on this virus, travel bans do not actually work to stop a virus, but they do successfully agitate the markets and masses into bouts of madness. And it is not a coincidence that the UK is, again, the first mover on the new strain front. A new variant hysteria originated at Imperial College UK, the home of a disgraced, corrupted academic modeling institution that proselytized lockdowns to the Western world. Throughout COVID mania, Imperial has been the source of countless versions of new strain propaganda. The institution does not only participate in shoddy modeling. It both foments the insanity and demands a series of totalitarian measures to deal with their faulty narrative creations. The new variant scare campaign originated earlier this week with a Twitter thread from Tom Peacock, a postdoc in his early 30s who was employed at Imperial College London. He sets the gears in motion through his alarmist interpretation of the variant, describing the new strain as having a, quote, really awful spike mutation profile. The corporate media, world governments, and other institutions have regurgitated Peacock's pandemic proclamations, setting off a series of authoritarian demands from the ruling class. The current new strain panic comes at a time in Europe when COVID-19 cases are surging in the continent, despite the universal embrace of mRNA injections that were promised to resolve the COVID-19 problem. This new strain has reportedly been found in Europe, driving the media's narrative even further into the totalitarian abyss. With claims disseminated to the masses by big tech and world governments, the Gates, Inc. and China-influenced World Health Organization is sowing maximum panic and terror. Outside of the Chinese Communist Party, no other institution has been as influential in driving destructive COVID-19 policies as Imperial College London. 
Imperial College UK is the home of the infamous doomsday models for COVID-19, which promised that millions of people would be imminently wiped off the earth if the Western world did not lock down in March of 2020 for COVID-19. The idea that the world needed to flatten the curve through pseudoscientific lockdowns was spawned by a faulty academic model from Neil Ferguson, an epidemiologist at Imperial College. When pressed to open source his models, Ferguson outright refused. He later resigned in disgrace from the UK government scientific advisory board. Yet Professor Lockdown somehow remains a very influential figure in driving Britain's totalitarian panic response policies. On the topic of new strains, it seems everything old is new again. Imperial was the primary source of the new variant scare models of 2020. It was around this time last year when UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, citing Imperial speculation on a different strain, initiated a winter lockdown. Read my piece in the dossier about that new strain of 2020 and you will see the incredible parallels. The South Africa Botswana new strain propaganda relies on the same fear campaign, but a rebranded version. It's the exact same playbook. Last year, it commenced with Eric Valls, an epidemiologist at Imperial College London, who claimed the new strain was 70% more transmissible. His exact language was later repeated by Prime Minister Johnson in justifying his lockdown. Before new, the latest scariant, <laughs> I like that, best known as the Delta variant, had a similar viral marketing campaign behind its emergence. Notably, Imperial's virology and epidemiology departments have received incredible amounts of funding from the Gates Foundation, the world's most influential driver of global public health policy. According to a review of their public records, Gates Inc. has delivered close to $300 million to the Imperial College London. That's a whole lot of money. I wonder if that much money might cause scientists, very serious people, to do what they're told to do. And let's go to the Daily Mail, also from today. Pfizer and Moderna say they can quickly update COVID-19 vaccines if they need to. In the wake of new South African new variant, which scientists fear could be the most infectious yet. And... It's starting to seem like most infectious yet just means more people have been vaccinated now and we're going to call their health problems COVID-19, the Omicron variant. I guess all of this is still saying new, but it sounds like they're going with Omicron. So we'll see which one is scarier. Manufacturers of America's most used vaccines are saying that they can quickly respond to challenges presented by the South African new variant. The recently emerged variant is believed to be the most infectious yet, and some fear it could evade protection provided by the current crop of COVID-19 vaccines. Yeah, it's really just unclear about whether or not that can happen, seeing as how all the people that have it so far are vaccinated. Got it. Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna, who are responsible for producing the two most common vaccines in the U.S., have all said they can quickly update the vaccines to provide protection against the emerging variant if necessary. While the variant is yet to have been detected in the United States, it has appeared in multiple countries in Africa and Europe, keeping American officials on high alert. Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech tell us they are already looking at this very closely and have told us they can update the vaccines very quickly if they need to. CNBC's Meg Tyrell said on Tech Check Friday. Moderna can begin clinical trials for vaccines effective against a potentially resistant variant within 60 days. She also reports that Pfizer can adapt its mRNA vaccine within six weeks if necessary and would have a product to ship out within 100 days if needed. Within two weeks, BioNTech says it expects lab data to tell us whether this is really an escaped variant, one that can really evade the protections of the vaccines, she said. More than 108 million Americans have been fully vaccinated by the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine and 71.5 million by the Moderna shot, according to data published Wednesday by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Those data are probably completely doctored and wrong, but let's go with it. Johnson & Johnson, makers of the third vaccine available in the U.S., also say it is testing its vaccine's effectiveness against this new variant. And how are they doing this testing? Oh, they're doing it theoretically. It's so good to know that they can take the entirely theoretical vaccine, which is not a vaccine that they created initially, that they said would stop the spread and give us herd immunity. They said it would prevent people from getting infected. They said it would prevent people from transmitting the disease. They said it would prevent people from getting seriously ill. And they said it would prevent people from dying. Just turns out it doesn't actually do any of those things. But 
It's important to remember that the very effective and very safe vaccine doesn't do any of those things against the old virus. And now what we need is to get a new vaccine that doesn't do any of those things against the new virus. I can't wait for like CNN to have a countdown clock, just trying to hope that the hundred days runs out. Will we ever make it to the end of those hundred days when we can finally get the new Pfizer shot that doesn't work? So it can finally not create herd immunity against the variant that it created. Please save us, Pfizer. Now, I want to go through a piece uh, from Uncovered DC. This is a couple of days ago. The community package insert is the headline. The reporter is Michelle Edwards. As the Biden administration continues its relentless push to vaccinate every man, woman and child in the United States, the FDA just released the package insert prescribing information for the Pfizer BioNTech mRNA vaccine community. The insert reveals distressing detail that as the ongoing clinical trial continues, there is no safety or efficacy data for individuals 16 years and younger. And except for post marketing data, Facilitating the need to add a section on myocarditis, pericarditis, and fainting, the insert is remarkably similar to the emergency use authorization prescribing information distributed in December 2020 with the Pfizer BioNTech BNT162B2 mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. The release of Comirnaty's package insert does little to clarify the confusion surrounding the approved community jab and the EUA Pfizer BioNTech shot that is now being given as if it was community. And that is what they are doing, right? Recall the FDA approved the community shot. The community shot does not exist and is not available anywhere. They are just giving the Pfizer BioNTech shot as if it is community so that they can avoid the legal implications. While a September 13th, 2021 announcement on the National Institutes of Health Daily Med database is a little more forthcoming on the two jabs, ultimately, it does little for clarification. The announcement states, Pfizer received FDA BLA license on 8-23-2021 for its COVID-19 vaccine for use in individuals 16 and older, community. At that time, the FDA published a BLA package insert that included the approved new COVID-19 vaccine trade name, Comirnaty, and listed two new NDCs and images of labels with the new trade name. At present, Pfizer does not plan to produce any product with these new NDCs and labels over the next few months, while EUA authorized product is still available and being made available for U.S. distribution. As such, the CDC, AMA, and Drug Compendia may not publish these new codes until Pfizer has determined when the product will be produced with the BLA labels. The above announcement from the NIH Daily Med database says, while the Pfizer BioNTech EUA product is still available, the company will not produce the approved community vaccine. The FDA also reports the two are interchangeable, despite declaring the two are legally distinguishable from one another. Making matters even more complicated, revised label information for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine implies that EUA is in place for not just the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, but for the community shot as well, stating, this EUA for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine and community will end when the secretary of HHS determines that the circumstances justifying the EUA no longer exist, or when there is a change in the approval status of the product such that an EUA is no longer needed. The official label information data sheet upon closer look highlights the product information referenced in the above screenshot for the Pfizer BioNTech community COVID-19 vaccine lists tozinamoran as the active ingredient. On a global scale, the World Health Organization's COVID-19 vaccine explainer indicates the community COVID-19 mRNA vaccine, Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, is being administered by the organization under an emergency use listing since December 30th, 2020, with an updated EUL recommendation on April 7th, 2021. 
For efficacy, the nine-page WHO fact sheet notes that those fully vaccinated with two doses showed efficacy of 95% based on a median follow-up of just two months. Notably, while declaring no post-introduction pharmacovigilance when recommending the mRNA vaccine to pregnant women, the guidance reveals... Data from small studies have demonstrated that COVID-19 mRNA vaccines are immunogenic in pregnant women and that vaccine-elicited antibodies are transported to infant cord blood and breast milk, suggesting possible neonatal as well as maternal protection. Comirnaty's insert includes a warning stating that post-marketing data of its mRNA inoculation discovered increased risks of myocarditis and pericarditis, particularly within seven days following the second dose. The FDA states the risk exists in males under the age of 40 and is highest among young men, 12 through 17 years of age. The warning points out that there is currently no information on the likely long-term consequences of this condition. Yet it says that most individuals have had resolution of symptoms with conservative management. The FDA's heart damage notice links to clinical considerations from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which indicates the serious adverse events are specific to the two mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna. While acknowledging the mRNA products are at times triggering the body's immune system to cause inflammation of the heart muscle and the lining outside the heart, the CDC continues to promote COVID-19 experimental vaccines for everyone five years of age and older. Despite being in the midst of an ongoing clinical trial with unknown outcomes, the agency maintains the risk of COVID-19 illness and related possible severe complications, including hospitalization and death, are behind the recommendation. Let's understand what that's saying. Despite knowing that the COVID-19 vaccine causes these problems in younger people, they still believe that it's worth it because of how dangerous COVID is to these same people, even though there is no data anywhere in the world suggesting that's true. These people are utterly deranged. Notably, while the EUA fact sheet for the Pfizer BioNTech jab states it is mandatory for vaccination providers to report all vaccine errors and all serious adverse events to the VAERS system, Comirnaty's insert says, quote, Advise vaccine recipient to report any adverse events to their healthcare provider or to the vaccine adverse events reporting system. In addition to the underused VAERS for adverse events reporting, it is well known that it is not possible to sue vaccine manufacturers since the enactment in 1986 of the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. The act created the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, which, since its inception and through November 1st, 2021, has compensated 8,369 claims, totaling $4,689,096,485.22. Contained within the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine BNT162B2 injection suspension official label insert is the question, What is the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program? As of October 1st, 2021, the CICP has received 3,158 COVID-19 countermeasure claims, 1,357 alleged injuries and death from the vaccines, and 1,801 alleged injuries and deaths from other COVID-19 countermeasures such as ventilator. Still, the CICP is the payer of last resort and can only reimburse or pay for medical expenses or lost employment income not covered by other third-party payers. Paying just 29 claims, totaling over $6 million since its first claim in 2010, the CICP has not compensated any COVID-19 countermeasure claims. The clinical trials experience information provided for the Pfizer-BioNTech EUA vaccine and community is very similar. Limiting the scope of information, both studies excluded participants who were immunocompromised and those who had previous clinical or microbiological diagnoses of COVID-19. Interestingly, when speaking on the issuance of the FDA's emergency use authorization on December 11th, 2020 for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, as the two clinical trials were underway for that product, the recent community package insert from the agency states, upon issuance of the emergency use authorization, for community, participants were unblinded to offer placebo participants community. 
Participants were unblinded in a phased manner over a period of months to offer placebo participants community. As previously reported, following the EUA for Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 shot, despite pleas for a placebo-controlled trial, during the middle of the phase three trial intended to measure long-term side effects, the FDA allowed the drug manufacturer to turn the trial study from a placebo-controlled blinded study into an open observational study. Unblinded, the two cohorts were given the opportunity to take the experimental vaccine if they wanted to, and many chose to get the vaccine. A May 18th, 2021 article in the BMJ, that's British Medical Journal, pointed out that it was unclear how the FDA would compensate for not having blinding and placebo-controlled follow-up, adding that, quote, just months ago, the agency said these trials were vital, end quote. Nonetheless, the article noted, quote, there's a growing gap of unknown size between any expectation of blinded placebo-controlled data and the reality that within weeks of the vaccines receiving an EUA, the unblinding of trials commenced as placebo recipients were offered the chance to get vaccinated, end quote. Stressing the importance of placebo-controlled data, the FDA's Philip Krauss, who has pushed back against rapid COVID vaccine development and recently announced his departure from the FDA and explained last December, very often, It's the fact that we have that placebo-controlled follow-up over time that gives us the ability to say that the vaccine didn't cause something at a longer period of time after vaccination. And the reporter notes that the FDA has said it will take them 55 years to release the data that led to Pfizer's vaccine approval. There have been FOIA requests, and that is what they are saying. It's going to take us 55 years to give you this data. It's too important. (laughs) It's too important to allow you to see it now. Significantly, Comirnaty's clinical trials information expands on the trial data initially offered by the FDA in 2020. The updated Pfizer trial data reveals that study two in the clinical trials included 200 participants with confirmed stable human immunodeficiency virus infection. As recently reported by Uncover DC, Dr. John Mascola, director of the Vaccine Research Center and the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease, has spent 30 years on HIV drug development, attempting unsuccessfully to isolate a neutralizing antibody for the ailment. However, with the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak, Mascola and fellow researchers switched gears from HIV to COVID vaccines. And thank goodness we got the people who couldn't fix Anthony Fauci's AIDS crisis and put them on the team to not fix Anthony Fauci's COVID crisis. Very, very good public health institutions we have. As a byproduct of the warp speed vaccine operation, they were able to isolate a neutralizing antibody for COVID-19 and HIV vaccines based on Mascola's research became available for the first time. Although not highlighted in the news, Mascola and the National Institutes of Health are admittedly, quote, celebrating the gift of COVID-19 vaccines. And I am sure they are. The FDA's information on pregnancy for both the Pfizer-BioNTech EUA shot and Comirnaty report there is insufficient data on the vaccines to inform of vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. Yet the CDC insists without question, quote, COVID-19 vaccination is recommended for people who are pregnant, breastfeeding, trying to get pregnant now, or might become pregnant in the future. There is currently no evidence that any vaccines, including COVID-19 vaccines, cause fertility problems in women or men. End quote. And I'm sure that we will never find out anything was wrong with that. Referencing a study in rats, the community insert from the FDA shares that a single human dose of community was administered to female rats by the intramuscular route on four occasions, 21 and 14 days before mating and on gestation days 9 and 20. The study reported no vaccine related adverse events on female rat fertility, fetal development or postnatal development. Still, Community's insert urges women who are vaccinated during pregnancy to enroll in a pregnancy exposure registry that monitors pregnancy outcomes in women exposed to community during pregnancy. Despite the WHO's previously mentioned suggestion that vaccine elicited antibodies have been found in human breast milk, both Pfizer, BioNTech and community immediately state that it is unknown if the vaccine product is excreted in human breast milk. Community's insert adds the development and health benefits of breastfeeding should be considered along with the mother's clinical need for community and any potential adverse effects on the breastfed child from community or from the underlying maternal condition. 
For preventive vaccines, the underlying maternal condition is susceptibility to disease prevented by the vaccine. And of course, it's important to always remember that the underlying susceptibility to the disease the vaccine cannot prevent is an absolutely crazy standard. Both inserts confirm that the safety and effectiveness of Pfizer-BioNTech's vaccines in individuals 16 years and younger have not been established. With mass clinical trials of community underway for the next few years, the name has substantial thought behind it. A December 23rd, 2020 report in Fierce Pharma explains that when the Pfizer and BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine was rolling out in the U.S. under emergency use authorization, the name community had already been chosen. Indeed, in December 2020, Comirnaty was approved by Swiss and European regulators under a conditional marketing authorization. At the same time, its proprietary name, Tozanamaran, was approved by the WHO. To come up with the name, the heavyweight naming agency Brand Institute began working with BioNTech in April 2020, and Pfizer joined the effort soon after. Pronounced phonetically as Comirnaty, Scott Pierre Grossi, Brand Institute President of Operations and Communications, said he was, quote, humbled by the scale of the project and implications of the name, end quote. These people are hilarious. The name is coined from COVID-19 immunity and then embeds the mRNA in the middle which is the platform technology. And as a whole, the name is meant to evoke the word community. It was a challenging project relative to other projects because there's so much invested in this project from a global economy standpoint, from a health and emotion standpoint. Man, thank goodness we have experts like that guy stepping up to name things for us by simply squishing together the most obvious words and hoping that it'll sound emotionally evocative enough to make everyone like it once they actually finally start making that product and not the other product exactly like that, that they don't call the same thing because then they would have to take on legal liability. Which, if you think about it, kind of makes it make sense to need naming experts like that guy when you know, word games and the changing of definitions and the sleight of hand that they have used to pretend that this vaccine is FDA approved are their only real claims to legitimacy. Man, let's have another round of applause for the public health community. They are saving us by scaring us and then profiting off that fear. That, my friends, is the public health community in the age of COVID. I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that 
at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at imyourmoderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!